Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Wednesday edition of the show. Want to say hello to all of the Pewter people that are just joining the comments. As today's show, we will break down the matchup between the Bucks and the Houston Texans as the Bucks head back out on the road to Houston in a game that can very much be considered a must-win game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Join with me is my co-host from PewterReport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are we doing? Doing good. This is a must-win game. We marked it that way. Matt, we talked about it. We said, you know what? This is where the Bucs have to make their stand. If they want to make any noise this year, if they want to make a playoff push, if they want to try to repeat as NFC division champions they can't afford to slide back any further right now you look at the Saints and the Falcons on top of the division right now at four and four Buccaneers need to uh, be four and four on Sunday by beating the Houston Texans a team that really in in doing our prep work for this Matt what's that Spider-Man meme right where the two Spider-Mans are pointing at each other yeah I mean it it, almost two identical teams and we're going to get into that today uh Identical three and four records. The biggest difference probably on paper is the quarterback. You have an experienced quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and you've got a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, but he's not playing like a rookie, right? And both of these teams' scoring defenses are identical. 18.3 points per game given up. They're tied for sixth in the league. Uh, Neither team can really run the ball very well. Both teams are under 100 yards rushing per game. Titans are the Texans a little bit better at 90 91. yards per game, 91, and, and Tampa Bay at 77. Um, both teams don't turn the ball over a lot, right? Houston Texans, only four turnovers on offense, which is crazy with the rookie quarterback. And your Tampa Bay Buccaneers only have six turnovers on offense. So th- this is going to be, I think, a low scoring defensive struggle. Uh, think. The, for the Buccaneers, think that Bucks Falcons game a couple weeks ago, 16-13. For the Houston Texans, think last week, a 15-13 loss at Carolina against the Panthers. So a rock'em, sock'em, defensive struggle. I think the team that finds the end zone the most, either once or twice, probably wins this game. Yeah, to that point, for all the Bucks games so far this season, the under has hit in all but one yeah. of those Bucks games this season. The only one that went over was against the Bears, which, again, the under was well on its way until Shaq Barrett, thankfully for all Bucks fans, had yeah. that pick six, which uh, which hit the over. So that's a little wink and a nod for uh, where I may be going this week. Yeah. Uh, my <laughs> right. props. But, yeah, Scott, you're right. I mean, talent-wise, I still think you got to give it to the Bucs a little bit, uh, especially on the offensive side of the football, but also two defensive coaches with Todd Bowles and and Domingo Ryan. So, um, and and that's the one thing about the NFL that, that is great is that we we talk about parity in the league and anybody can beat anybody. And you see it week in and week out. I mean, the Texans just lost to the, to the Carolina Panthers last week to give the Panthers their first win of the season. But besides that, just looking at the Texans, that was a game initially you go, oh, all right, this is a – the Bucs should win this game. And right. you're trying to – you know, oh, the over-under is six wins for the Bucs this season. The Texans, that's a win. Not so much anymore, especially right. with the Bucs on a uh, three-game losing streak. That's very much is 
is not the case. So uh, Bucks are going to have, I mean, it's without question, they're going to have to play better. But offensively, yeah. they're going to have to bring it or else it could be four losses in a row. Yeah, and and I, I think, too, to your point, Matt, when you look at, at D'Amico Ryans, what he said last week in that loss was it came down to turnovers, yeah. really, actually turnover. The the Panthers uh, got one takeaway in that game. That was enough to decide that 15-13 to 13, uh, victory for the Panthers. Houston turned the ball over one time. Carolina did not, and it ended up costing the Texans. And the Texans are, again, the best team in the league at avoiding turnovers. You look at C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback. He's easily been the best rookie, or maybe we can't say that with Will Levis now being 1-0 <laughs> after uh, his dismantling of the Falcons last weekend. Or maybe it was just the Houston Oilers jerseys yeah. you know maybe it was the the, the jerseys that gave him some mojo right yeah uh, yeah not, the love you blue part of it the houston part of it yeah exactly so um maybe it was that uh that did it but when you look at cj stroud man he's nine touchdowns one interception he's outplayed bryce young maybe yeah. he's got a little bit better of surrounding talent when you look at at uh, the weapons he has uh there's not a lot to this this Texans offense, right? They've got kind of a two-headed monster with with um, uh, Damian Pierce, Pierce, right? Who is uh, well-known in these parts, mm-hmm. being a former Florida Gator, angry runner. De- Devin Singletary, who spent some years in Buffalo. That's kind of their one-two punch on the ground. Um, and then you look at the wide receivers right now. Robert Woods dealing with an injury. He's probably on the downside of his career. But they get a couple of, of interesting players Really, two completely different body types. You look at yeah, Nico Collins, six foot four, two fifteen. You think Mike Evans, right, in terms of his body type, and then you got little Tank Dell, mm-hmm. <laughs> who we both liked coming out of the University of Houston, Houston Cougars, teammate of Logan Hall. We liked him at the Senior Bowl, right? This guy's undersized, quick, explosive. Think Devin Tompkins, five foot eight, maybe one hundred and sixty pounds, maybe, but he's that type of player. And, and both he and, and Collins, even though there's such a huge disparity in, in their, their playing size and playing style, with one being really big and physical, the other one being quick and fast, these guys can make some plays down the field for C.J. Stroud. And that's something Tampa Bay has done a, a, a decent job of, not letting the ball get over the secondary's heads. They play a lot of this kind of maddening soft zone coverage, and we'll talk yeah. about this more, Matt. But you look at, at Nico Collins, a 17.5-yard receiving average. Yep. That's that's in the realm of Mike Evans, 577 yards, three touchdowns. So he's kind of their Mike Evans. Yeah. And then Tank Dell, um, he's no Chris Godwin, but like I said, he's more like Devin Tompkins, but still 15.5 yards per catch. Very quick, very fast player, 30, I'm sorry, 22 catches for 340 yards. So CJ Stroud's got a couple of guys to work with. Yeah, shout out to Nico Collins because no one across the league is talking about him. He's in his third year coming out of Michigan. And those 577 receiving yards, that's yeah. more than Mike Evans. And right. they played the same number of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Texans had a bye as well. So uh, on the same level playing field of Mike Evans, stat-wise, Mike has some more touchdowns. Talent-wise, obviously the nod still goes to Mike Evans. But yeah. And you got to give the Texans some credit. I mean, right. obviously different coaches – coaching staffs, different regimes and stuff like that. But this is the second time now where the Texans have drafted a quarterback. The first one was Deshaun Watson. We all know what happened with Deshaun Watson. But in terms of drafting a quarterback and then developing that QB 
And CJ Stroud has still has so much to go in his career, but off to a very promising start. That's very difficult to do it for any franchise. The Bucs are still looking to do that, to develop their first uh, first round pick quarterback. They haven't done that uh, just yet in their career. Uh, but to have weapons like Nico Collins and, and Tank Dow, like you just talked about, even Dalton yep. Schultz, the former That's Dallas right. Cowboy, uh, now staying in Texas but going to Houston at tight end, he's got around, uh, I, I want to say, 220 receiving yards or whatever it is. So, um, you know, they're they're getting production from a number of different places. Yeah, their running game could be a lot better. Uh, but they're getting the production in different spots where the Bucks haven't necessarily gotten that just yet. Yeah. They are getting it, obviously, with, with Mike and Chris, but yeah. a no-show with the tight ends, right. relatively a no-show with the rest of their wide receivers. So yeah. credit to the Texans, uh, you know, surprising a ton of people yeah. this season. But uh, we got a couple of Super Chats to get to. Thank you to Vice for this $10 Appreciate Super that. Chat. Vice had a couple start. of comments, so we will uh, – Awesome. If I start out with, we're going to get walked again, <laughs> followed by, even if they did win, it wouldn't matter since it's halfway through the season and they play with zero consistency and uh, at least no consistency on offense. Well, that's true on the offensive side. There, yeah. there really hasn't been, honestly, I know the bye week came at a good time because the Bucks were ravaged by injury. Yeah. But the offense was not humming by any means, but the right. offense was getting the job done and then yeah. the bye week hit. And then for whatever reason, the offense is just vanished right. in terms of production and consistency. So no, that's a great point, man. I'll stop you right there. 20 yeah. points against the Vikings on offense, 20 points against the bears on offense. Cause the, the Shaq Barrett touchdown, right? Pushed that to 27 points, yep. which is their highest uh, scoring output of the year as a team. Then the next week, 26 points on offense against the uh, New Orleans Saints and all three of those touchdowns the Bucks scored came not just in the red zone but within the five yard line right I mean a lot of short passes from Baker Mayfield to Kate Otten to Devin yep. Tompkins to to uh, Trey Palmer um, and you're right ever since then I mean it's been six points 13 points 18 points maybe they're trending the right direction slowly getting back to 20 points but yeah it feels like like they got to score 20 points this week to win man it absolutely does, because on top of that, what you talked about, why the Bucs beat the Vikings in week one. They won that turnover battle, 3 nothing. Yeah. Well, you know what? They won the turnover battle against the Buffalo Bills, and what did it do for them? Essentially nothing. I mean, right. it got them points on that drive when they yeah. got the turnover from the Will Goals and the interception. But they're winning the turnover battles now a couple of times. They won the turnover battle against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Still ended up on a loss That's or, right. in the loss column for them. So... Now, just winning the turnover battle, at least in the, in the past couple of weeks, and I, I think at the end of the day, after 17 games, if you look at the odds of every time they won the turnover battle versus they lost it, the odds are still going to be in your favor that if you win exactly. the turnover battle, you're going to win the game. Yeah. But, but it's not least, automatic. It's not an automatic, right. and not every turnover is the same. You know, yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. forcing the fumble on Desmond Ritter, who's now been benched, by the way, yeah. um, that saved the Bucks from allowing more points versus – you got the turnover, and now you're in the scoring position on the other side of the field right. against your opponent, which was the case um, against Buffalo. So at one point or another, and this would be the a good week to start it, the offense has to pick it up. I mean, the, the Bucks' defense, God bless them. Yeah, they had their struggles against the Bills, but how many times are they really playing with leads or yeah, in, in, exactly. in tie games? It's, it's very few and far between, and 
you know, it's not fair to their defense, but it's just kind of how it is right now for the Buccaneers. And we got a uh, $4.99 super chat from a very familiar yeah. friend of uh, the Pewter Report podcast in the comments. Mark Fisher with a uh, with a different name. Well, similar name, but Rev Fish going yeah. by with this name. So thank you, yeah. Mark Fisher. He's a reverend. Uh, super chat. Yeah, he's a reverend. So pastor. Oh, cool. I didn't know yeah. that. Now yeah. I know. Awesome. Uh, anyway, thank you, Mark. It says, hey, guys, it's Mark Fisher. What is your take on Baker's deep ball so far? Good, bad, and do uh, do you see that as an option this week? I think it, it'll be an option if the opportunity presents itself. Like, I don't think Baker's going to throw right. into double coverage just because it's Mike Evans. Now, yeah. the Bucks do take a couple. Of, they're not the Bruce Arians offense by any means, but they do take shots down the field. We can point to yeah. the Lions game over and over and over. What do I think of his deep ball, though? Not the best. I mean, this goes back into yeah. training camp where we said Baker kept overthrowing people and Kyle Trask was overthrowing people as well. Yeah. He's got the strength to throw it deep. He it's does. It's just the accuracy yeah. part of it. There, and, there's sometimes uh, he hasn't put enough touch on it, right? Um, yeah. I think most of most of his deep shots, if they've been misses, have been overthrows rather than underthrows. And I think that's that's usually the better alternative because if it's an underthrown ball, then you're you're likely you're more likely to throw an interception if that's the case. So yeah. But yeah, it's it's you're right, man. It's something we've seen going back to training camp where, you know, I wouldn't say it's it's on par with how bad Jameis Winston was with the deep ball, but it's certainly not Tom Brady. It's kind of in between. Yeah. And um I, I think I think with Baker, he's better at those twenty yard air throws, right? Like like we saw um Mike Evans, right, against the Falcons, right? That that's a, a kind of a twenty yeah. yard, twenty five yard air shot. And then Evans runs the last 10, 15 yards into the end zone once he makes the catch. Those are the type of deep balls because it was, what, a 40, 41-yard touchdown from Evans in that that instance. Right. I, I think the longer the ball's in the air, the less accurate that's going to be. And that's that's kind of universally you know, the, what, what you're looking at around the league with quarterbacks. Uh, the deeper the throw, the smaller the percentage of, of completing it. But at the same time, I think 20 to 25 yards Baker can hit those, generally speaking. It's those deep shots, those 40-yard passes in the air like those misses to Trey Palmer in the Lions game where he just his range finder just is not on sync with some of these, these Bucks receivers. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, that goes into having to gear up a little bit more just because he's on the smaller side and he's got to make sure he gets around those um, you know defensive tackles trying to knock down the football. And he just has to rev it up a little bit more. And that's why, yeah, a lot of the times it's been an overthrow. And, yeah, you right. don't want the underthrow. Occasionally, you'll get benefited on an underthrow where the wide receiver has to stop and then the DB runs into the wide receiver yeah. and, and it's a pass interference. But, you know, you can't bank on that every yeah. single time. I uh, like this comment from Appreciable right. Assets LLC who says, our QB3 is the most accurate on the roster. He's now part of the 53-man yeah, roster. Right. So congrats to John Wolford. Yeah, that's a very funny 48 hours for, yeah. for John Wolford. And he was in what? demand. The, he was both in the, high demand. So there's the Vikings of, wanted him. Yeah. You know, there's the a Rams. number of injuries uh, around the NFL. Unfortunately, Kirk Cousins is out for the season with the Achilles injury and uh, Matt Stafford of the Rams sprained a PCL in his thumb. So, yeah, yeah he was well wanted uh, across the league. So uh, the Bucks had to wave. Pat O'Connor, the D lineman, and right. make room for John Wolford. It's actually Pat O'Connor's birthday today. 
So happy birthday, Pat. But yeah. he'll end up back on the on the practice squad. So yeah. And and I think the thing too is is when you look at, at John Wolford and Matt, we saw back in OTAs when he first got here, there were days where John Wolford was actually the best quarterback yeah. in practice, just with with less reps, right? OTAs, a couple training camp days where he's the one throwing touchdowns, not Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. So uh again, Baker's done he has not done enough to lose his starting job. Correct. Right. Um it, it, but but you know what? It, it's kind of put the Bucks in some no man's land, right? And and I, I, I think when you look at at Baker, and I wrote about this in the two point conversion, and it really wasn't a shot at Baker as it, as it was mostly just telling the truth. When you look at at what Baker has done this year, um, he's done a good job protecting the ball. He's thrown some some touchdown passes. It just has not been enough to get the Buccaneers to twenty points or more on the regular. And so he's he's doing enough. To, from an escapability standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, uh, from a completion percentage standpoint, the touchdown interception ratio standpoint, he's done enough to stay in the lineup. Because I don't think Kyle Trask would be any better uh, when you look at the lack of experience, the the lack of mobility, the escapability factor that Baker has, just kind of an uncanny knack of ducking sacks that he's done it multiple times yeah. now. Um. But at the same time, you're looking at an offense that, again, in these last three weeks, six points, 13 points, 18 points, not enough. And then is it going to get any better? Are the Buccaneers going to go on a playoff run this year? And is Baker going to be the driving force of that? Because, Matt, we've talked about it before. It bears repeating. The Buccaneers have said, we're a pass-first team. Our offensive line is better in pass protection than run blocking. We're going to play to our strength. Our receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, are our best weapons. Not Rashad White, certainly not Keyshawn Vaughn. We're going to play to our strengths, which is the receivers. Hmm. And what that does is that forces Baker Mayfield to have to throw the ball forty-five times per game, which he's done the last two guys, the last two two times. Actually, throwing it forty-two times, but there've been forty-five called passes. He scrambled three times in, in each of those last two games. In the Buccaneers, respectively, have run the ball seventeen times against the Falcons, thirteen times against. Um, the uh, the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night. And so you're getting more lopsided play towards the passing game. Yeah. But Baker has not been up to the challenge in, in driving the offense through the passing game to put enough points on the board. So you're kind of in no man's land. It's like you have to throw the ball because that gives you the best chance to win. But Baker works so much better with the running game to, to play off of because then you get to more play action stuff. And the 2020 Baker, as good as he was with the Browns, mm. you had Nick Chubb. You had Kareem Hunt. You could run the ball. You had much more balance. And so looking long-term, unless he really turns into a prolific-type quarterback, 300-yard passing games, getting back to that 3-to-1 touchdown ratio that we saw in New Orleans, is he the guy long-term if he can't drive the bus as fast as you need it to go? Yeah, what we're learning is – Baker is the type of quarterback, at least currently at the moment, where you need the other talent around so Baker can drive that bus and help you win the game. You need stellar wide receivers. You need a great running game. You need a great defense. And he has that defense. He has the talent at wide receiver, but doesn't necessarily have it with the the offensive line just yet and doesn't have it clearly – with the running game so far. So yeah. can Baker be a quarterback 
kind of like, you know, Trent Dilfer it was with the Ravens back in the day, or even Brad Johnson with the, with the first, uh, you know, Bucks Super Bowl winning team. Yeah. I think he can be a quarterback that can help a team or this Bucks team make it to the playoffs. Right. But I, I think the best way to describe it is he's not going to be the guy that's going to win you games or right. his performance is going to be on such another level yeah. where you have the confidence that Baker can do it. You're right. Example, he's he's got to be the, the point guard, not the shooting guard. Yeah. And right now they're asking him to be the shooting guard, like put up 30 points a yeah. night. Like, like it, put it this way. If, if the Bucs are down 24 to 20, let's say, with under two minutes to go, it's pretty much your last chance having the football. I don't have a ton of confidence in Baker being the guy that's, all right, I'm going to drive this team 80 yards down the field, and we're going to score the game-winning touchdown and win this game. Yeah, and certainly on the regular. He can do it, but yeah. – but like Tom Brady could do that on the regular. Can Baker Mayfield do that? Right. That, that's that. That's where we haven't seen enough yet to really make that determination. Let's get to some more super chats. Starting out with Richie P. Thank you, Richie, for the five dollars super chat. Who says? Question on that hail mary. Talking about the Thursday night yeah. game. It was pretty much a WWE battle royal. If Mike Evans would have thrown a cornerback into the field goal post, would that have been called <laughs> kind of joking? Yeah. But not. Well, Mike does tend to get a number of offensive pass interference yeah, that's true. Uh, called on him. Yeah, yeah it, it's one of those things you could argue. Cause some people are saying, well, Mike threw a cornerback down the same time that Kate Otten was getting tackled and everything happened to, yeah. to Chris Godwin as well. It's very much the human element. You know, if, if this game was being played in Tampa Bay, would the Bucks have gotten the call then? Right. Possibly. <laughs> there is yeah. a better opportunity for that. Yeah. Um, I, I would just argue that the Bucs should have never been in that situation in the first place. They should have, right. <laughs> they should have, uh, you know, not taken 17 plays and seven minutes to right. to make it a, a one possession game. And they should have got that stop on third down when they sent the blitz where then they had to call all their timeouts and they only got the ball with, with 21 seconds. So it's kind of like the old adage, like, Oh, yeah. you don't like when this home run hitter, you know, dances or whatever when they hit a home run. Well, don't allow the home run in the first. That's right. Yeah. I mean, poor Kate Otten, though. He he literally got assaulted. This isn't, yeah. this is a mugging. I mean, it's one thing, yeah. you know, Chris, Chris Godwin, uh, Terrell Bernard has his hand around Godwin's waist and kind of spun him around. And that's what caused Chris to, as he was trying to spin out of Terrell Bernard's grasp, caused him to lose track of the ball. And then it, it hits right next to him, unfortunately. But I mean, Kate Otten, it's like, you know, he's, He's supposed to get down there to the to the the goal line and be the guy that's the jumper, right? He's supposed to kind of if he if he can't just go up and catch the ball cleanly, he's got to tip the ball up to where you have it's almost like in volleyball where you have your setter, right? He's kind mm -hmm. of the setter, and then you got the spiker right there. You've got three levels. You have Evans on, on the back of the end zone, Godwin uh, right there uh, in in the middle, and then Otten as that front jumper, and and they all got to their spots perfectly it's just they were getting mugged while doing it so at the same and, time though the league's not going to yeah. call this it, yeah you know, they should but they're not going to and and i i'd like to see i'd like to see a different rule for uh for the hail mary because what it's allowing the defense to do is is to mug guys and it's the advantage is such to the defense when that happens right because what's the call going to be pass interference and the ball's on the one yard line then all of a sudden it's a 45-yard play or 50-yard play, wherever the ball is being launched from. And now it's huge pendulum swing to the offense. They get one play, 
at the one yard line, right? Yeah. And, and and that almost feels too punitive a punishment there. I'd almost like to see on a last play of halftime and the game, the rules are different. And if there's defensive pass interference, you know, it's it's like a make a it like 20, college football, yeah, like 15 yards, yeah, 15 or 20 yard penalties to where it, it's enough, right? Uh, it's enough of like a, of a hindrance to where you don't want to do it. Like you don't want to just like hold on to people and take 15 yards and say, okay. Yeah. Now, instead of a 50-yard Hail Mary, it's a 35, right? Because it's still advantage defense. But if you make it like a 20-yard penalty, um, now all of a sudden, yeah. uh, it, it's you're so much closer, and it just feels a little bit more even there. But something's got to be done because the NFL is saying that that play is completely different. We're going to call it completely different than mm-hmm. every other play before that, and I think that's wrong. And Kate Odden has a hard enough time getting open on his own. <laughs> you said it, Matt. He, right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, another super chat. Thank you to Pod Laughs yep. Podcast. Thanks for the four ninety nine super chat. They say, I'm tired of the Bucks passing on good running backs in the draft and free agency. Our defensive tackle is the best running back on the roster. Talking about Bita Vea, who was a high school running back. Yeah. Um, and, and a damn good one coming out of California. Um yeah, that's Jason Light's blind spot. I mean, we can we can roll off the names in the draft, right? Charles Sims, Jeremy McNichols, Ronald Jones, the second, um, Keyshawn Vaughn, Rashad White. Yeah, not a lot of home runs there. It's it's uh it's not good. Like the the running back position is this kryptonite. And and right behind it too is the tight end spot. You look at the tight ends, right? I mean, remember, Rob Gronkowski was acquired via trade. Mm. Um, but you look at some like OJ Howard never really panned out, right? A first round pick. Yeah. Um, Payne Durham. This is the OJ Howard ball. Yeah. I mean, Jason Light's first pick overall was a home run, right? Mike Evans. His second pick back in 2014, Austin Safarian Jenkins, right? Who, um, you know, got uh, run out of Tampa because of, of his uh, off the field issues. Uh, so they just, they've not done a good job of, of drafting running back and tight end. And what are the two positions right now that I think are kind of holding back the offense, running back and tight end. And, 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 you know, right now Rashad white, the receiver uh, is, is the de facto yeah. third receiver in Tampa Bay because Kate Otten, like you said, Matt can't get open. He's not a big contributor in the passing game. I think he's averaging eight yards a catch now, which is down from last year when it was nine, which is a real pedestrian number. So uh, it, they can't run the ball partly. In fact, due to the tight block. ends because they can't block. They don't have good running backs. They can see holes once they're there. Uh, they don't have running backs that can create on their own and, and make a guy miss or break a tackle with any regularity to get to the second level. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, by, you know, by uh, uh, elimination of uh, process of elimination, Rashad White is the third wide receiver on this yeah. team now. And, and he can help out in the passing game, but he can't run the ball. So. And he's Go doing figure. pretty damn good the last two games. That's that wide receiver yeah. getting out yeah. in space. So kudos to Rashad White for at least making himself valuable yeah. in one way or the other. But you talk about the the tight ends. Yeah, I was about to say Cam Bright. He was yeah. a uh, undrafted, undrafted free agent. Free agent. Yeah. So hopefully Sean Tucker becomes the uh, the Cam Bright of running backs for the uh, right. for the Bucks in the running back room. Uh, how's Vita Vea doing this week? He practiced for the second day in a row. He spoke yeah. to uh, the media after. So. Looks like he's going to play this week, which obviously is a huge boost, especially 
considering the injuries at center for the Houston Texans. But speaking of a huge boost, if you need a huge boost, maybe a little tired during the day, you're feeling a little bit of sluggish, I got the perfect remedy for you. That would be a Celsius Energy Drink, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Cool thing, too, is like thinking, oh, I just need to have a Celsius. Yeah, but there's so many different flavors to choose from that it's essentially carte blanche for you. You can go with the peach mango, the sparkling orange, the Arctic vibe, the sparkling strawberry acai, strawberry lemonade, whatever you want. So many great flavors, zero sugar, no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius, go to the Celsius store locator on their website, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can find one. It can be at your local Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven, Health and Fitness Store, or your bodega. Bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love Celsius, but you want more, you want to get it in bulk, you can get it in bulk. And yep. I would highly recommend getting that variety pack because variety is a spice of life. You just hop on over to Amazon, go online, do Amazon, the subscribe and save, and you can have it sent to your place of residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. You're the captain now. You're the captain of the ship. <laughs> Send it to your residence whenever you want. Just make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Yep. Uh, yeah, we, let's let's kind of pick up where, where we left off there, talking about Vita Vea, and Matt, you mentioned it. The, the Texans are on essentially their fourth center. Yeah, <laughs> this year it's just kind of crazy. Uh, they had a, a big loss, a big injury in that um, that Panthers game. They lost uh, Jarrett Patterson, who was their their center. And when you look at at their depth chart and their injured reserve, Matt, I think we counted thirteen players right on injured reserve for the Texans. And they've got Jarrett Patterson on injured reserve now. Kendrick Green, who was a guard center uh, for them, and Juice Scruggs, who was a rookie. Um, at a Penn State, also an injury reserve from an earlier season injury. So Michael Dieter, who has uh, played a little bit in this league, and he and we're just getting news now that uh, Pat O'Connor has been re-signed to the practice yeah, squad. He was at practice today. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no surprise there. Uh, but Michael Dieter is is essentially their their fourth string center. He's their new guy there. And when I was talking with Shaq Barrett, he said their guards are pretty good. You know, Shaq Mason, former Buccaneer for a year. Yep. And Titus Howard, both their guards are good. Laramie Tunstall, uh, Tunstall at left tackle, and George Fant at right tackle. Uh, they're, they're both pretty solid, but this is where really Vita Vea has got to come back this week and feast. Uh, this is a, a, a brand new center in there, so there's going to be maybe some communication issues that the Bucks can exploit a little bit. Todd Bowles has got to find some ways to really put some some stress on the center. Maybe it's an A-gap blitz with Devin White. be nice yep. to see a sack from him. But – Take advantage of that because that that appears to be the weakness right now. The the Texans not good running the ball. We talked about that earlier, averaging ninety one yards per game on the ground, very much like Tampa Bay. Matt, you look at mm-hmm. at uh, Damian Pierce leading them with three hundred and twenty seven yards, a pedestrian three yard average. Devin Singletary, a, you know, a three point seven yard average, one hundred eighty three yards on the ground, but no runs from anybody. Over 17 yards. It's it's almost identical to what Tampa Bay is is going through. So this is the game where you really need to, if you're Todd Bowles, come out aggressively, take away the run, force C.J. Stroud to beat you. That's easier said than done because Stroud has thrown nine touchdowns, only one interception, 
But I think it's a, it's a mix of going out and maybe dropping eight and rushing three or, you know, and then, then mixing it up and sending six, right. And, yeah. and really giving him different looks. So he doesn't know if it's going to be uh, pressure or not. And, and that should cause him to hold on to the ball a, a tick longer. And by God, man, these cornerbacks need to get some interceptions. Winfield, Inter- Neal, yeah. uh, the safeties need some interceptions. Dean Davis needs some interceptions. It's been far too long. And it's crazy that the Bucks have caused so many turnovers. Their turnover differential is great. It's one of the best in the yeah. leagues. And yeah, it's not coming from, from anybody in the secondary. Well, it's coming from Antoine Winfield Jr., but from fumbles, not, yes. from, uh, not from interceptions. And that's the beauty of, well, not the lack of turnovers by the secondary, but to confusing C.J. Stroud, that's the beauty of Todd Bowles' defense is that he gives you so many different looks. And right. yes, he likes to blitz and be aggressive, but we also know when Todd has something that's working, he will stick to it, yeah. most namely the uh, you know the Super Bowl. Yeah. And sure, there is the the fear of he plays too much soft zone. C.J. Stroud is able to stay in front of it. The offensive line does their job, and yeah. that's how they attack the Bucks. But I, I I still like the. I would still take Todd Bowles if I'm betting on that type of matchup. Yeah. I actually want to see a, a throwback, and by this I mean good take a trip down memory lane just a little bit back in 2019 when the bucks mm-hmm. played the falcons on the road i remember this vividly because it was the f- second road game i had ever covered for Peter yeah. report and i was there and at the time the big weakness for the atlanta falcons was they did not have a great center up front yeah and that whole freaking the game was very memorable for a number of reasons mm-hmm. Vita Vea scored a touchdown on offense right. chris godwin <laughs> had a crazy crazy touchdown where he made an insane catch and I yeah. think Mike Evans broke the 1,000-yard uh, record streak again or mm-hmm. continued along. But, but anyway, one of the other big storylines of that game, Devin White had a great game because they just kept blitzing Devin yeah. White and Levante David That's right. through the A-gap time after time after yeah. time. Matt after Ryan time. was on the ground. There was nothing Matt Ryan could do about it. There was nothing that Falcons could do up front about it, especially at center. So it doesn't even have to need to be – Devin White and Levante David blitzing on C.J. Stroud. It can be Vita Vea just being a game wrecker, which yeah. he continues to be, leading the team with three and a half sacks. I mm-hmm. also think this would be a good opportunity. This is something that, that Josh Capo has talked about a lot, mm-hmm. where slowing the game down a little bit for Kalijah Cansey, and not that they're asking him to do a crazy amount of stuff, but just having Kalijah hone in on one gap specifically and just mm-hmm. shoot the gap every yeah. single time. This might be one of those matchups where you can do that with Kalijah Kansi and take advantage of a center being fourth string and someone yeah. that the Bucs can take advantage of. So they have to win that right up the middle. And whether it's Vita, whether it's the linebackers blitzing, mm-hmm. uh, that's something that the Bucs absolutely have to exploit because there's no better pressure. It doesn't matter if it's a rookie like CJ right. Stroud or Tom Brady in his prime. You get pressure up the middle, it's unstoppable for any quarterback out there. No, you're exactly right, and uh, we appreciate the super chats. We got a couple more. We'll roll we into them. Uh, Bucks basement, ten dollars super chat. I think when we play as who we are, which is fast, physical, tough, smart, tackling ball club, a running ball club that has some play action involved, we do okay. Delusional quote from Bowles. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that that really describes the team. And honestly, I, I think Todd Bowles called an absolute crap game. At Buffalo, I think it was his worst called game. Um, I I put a lot of um, 
the the calls, the play calls, I think put his players in really precarious situations. If you go back to that that uh, third down that they converted where they they sent the nickel blitz, which I believe was Izian. Yeah, um, it was a quick, easy read to Stefan Diggs, who you know had a blocker out in front, made a guy miss, and, and pick up the the yardage. And uh, and th- and then the Buccaneers eventually stopped the Bills, but they got the ball back with only like 21 seconds left or 19, whatever it was. Um, just some really curious play calls, and I just don't think that he schemed the Buffalo Bills well at all. Um, again, down there in the red zone, you know, dropping. Devin and Levante not having a spy for Josh Allen just invited Allen to run yeah. 13 yards up the middle. I mean, just some really, um, I'm going to call like, like I said, boneheaded calls. I mean, calls like, like Todd Bowles, what are you doing? Right. I mean, I, I just found a lot of those play calls befuddling. I think that they, they did way too much in terms of, of either rolling coverage or um, just playing too soft, especially, at the start of the first quarter and also the start of the third quarter, uh, just just not understanding what Todd Bowles was trying to do, and and the players didn't execute it. But I don't think that the game plan going in was anything special by any means, and I think they were lucky to keep the Bills under twenty four points. They made some adjustments in the second half, but you know they're down fourteen points, and this offense is just not built to to come back from being down fourteen points right now. Just they're not at that level. So Todd Bowles has got to call a better game. First and foremost, I thought it was easily his worst called game of the year. And, um, you know, the, the players just, I don't know, like today even. Um, Matt, we were talking to Carlton Davis, and he just didn't sound super confident, you know, in, in what's been happening with Bulls. I think he's chomping the bit to play more man coverage, and and they're just not playing it. And and I, I know they're trying to disguise Ryan Neal, and not disguise him, but, you know, um, cover him. Right, I think Todd Bowles is is doing too much to cover his weaknesses rather than playing to his team's strengths. And and I think the strength is Carlson Davis and Jamel Dean playing man to man, tighter coverage. Um, But with with Devin White and and Ryan Neal being liabilities in coverage, I think Bowles is trying to do them a favor and and protect the weaknesses with with too much zone coverage. And it's just not putting these these outside corners in position to make plays. It's all very true, and what's even more confusing is Todd has had two different quotes, both on Monday after the game, and he said it, or the day after, this Monday and uh, and today as well, where he's essentially like, our vision is bad when we play zone. We have to yeah. expand our vision. We we have to see it better. Yeah. But again, you're then why are you playing so much zone if you guys yeah. cannot get uh, you what, what you want out of it? I I, to- I, I said that exact quote to both Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield. And they both looked at me like I was crazy. Like that had not been communicated by Bulls at all to two starters in his secondary. And, and uh, so there's some kind of, it's funny. Todd Bulls talks about the lack of communication. I don't know, man, like he's a big part of it and he better come out with a much better game plan against a rookie quarterback here. And sometimes he's done a fantastic job. You go back and look at that Broncos game a couple years ago. Um, and they destroyed, I think they played two quarterbacks in that game, right? Jeff Driscoll mm-hmm. and Brett Rippon. They weren't rookies, yeah. but young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And and the Bucks defense ate them alive. Shaq Barrett had a safety in that game. Um, but, you know, Brock Purdy tore this this Buccaneer yep. team a new, a new a-hole. And, 
It's going to be interesting to see how they play C.J. Stroud. It's simple. Just play your, especially your secondary, play them to the strengths that they have. Yeah. Uh, because what you're doing, again, we talk about it, the uh, the miscommunications, the the busted plays. We hear yeah. busted play at least once a week yeah. now. Or that once tells me other week. it's too it's complicated. Many. It's, it's yeah. too complicated. You're putting too much in on a weekly basis. The guys aren't getting enough reps at it. Like you said, Matt, it's not second nature. Like have them do what they, what they know they can do and do it well. Like you're talking about with Kalasha Kansi, like have him just attack the B gap yeah. over and over and over again. He's going to get good at it because he's going to get a lot of reps. But when you ask guys to do too much, and sometimes that that's the the mad scientist and Todd Bowles, and yeah. sometimes you got to use the kiss formula, keep it simple, stupid, and just like they did in in the Super Bowl, right? They said mm-hmm. we're going to play a bunch of of cover two, take away Tyreek Hill, we're going to cover. Travis Kelsey with Levante David, and we're going to pressure the hell out of Patrick Mahomes with a four-man rush. And it worked. And they did. Yeah. And they didn't allow a touchdown. Yep. Anyway, uh, let's get to more Super Chats. This one, a $5 Super Chat from Matt Bucks fan. Thank you, Matt. Great name. Thus far, what's your take on this offensive scheme and canalis? Funky, predictable, creative, etc. Curious what you guys are seeing. Really great question, Matt. Yeah. Um, I think funky could be one of the one of the right words. I wouldn't say predictable just yet. I think sometimes they run it too much on first down, but the disparagement of throwing it versus running yeah. it, I think, is good. That's something we complained a lot about last right. season. Last two weeks. Like, yeah. I get where Canalis is going, don't you, Matt? What you do know, you mean? like well, just just in terms of hey, we're gonna throw it, right? Yes. We're gonna, we're we're gonna, gonna throw it more than we're gonna, gonna throw it three to one run. ratio. And- and if they were having more success with the run, I think we'd see even more creativity. Maybe not creativity, yeah. but more just uh, different elements of his offense. Like, we've seen some end-arounds week in and week yeah. out, except for on Thursday. Chris Godwin threw a pass. So, right. we're seeing different things week by week. And, again, guys have gotten open. Baker hasn't always made the throw. Right. So, you can't say, oh, Canals isn't calling this or isn't calling that. Yeah. So, I think funky is the right word. Funky with a yeah. – with a taste of creative. I think he needs to do more end arounds. I think two or three per game with different people, right? With Godwin, with Evans, with Palmer, with DT, right? Yeah. And and I I think those those are plays that when when they do run them, they work. And it's a little maddening why you don't go back to something that works. It didn't have to be the exact same formation with the exact same guy getting the ball, but run it left with DT, right? Uh, going in motion. And then in the first quarter and third quarter, come out and run it right to left other way with Trey Palmer. Right. Um, I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see more screens. It was great screen. Stinny out in front. He's more mobile than Filer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it worked. Go back to it. Right. I mean, it's, um, you know, sometimes the best friend that a defensive player can have is the offensive coordinator on the other side who stops doing what's working. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that that helps you out. Um, so I'd like to see more of that. I, I appreciate what Dave is doing. I think he can be more creative and and use more plays that work more often, if that makes sense. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, uh, no question Red, about it. Redfish here with the 499 Super Chat. Appreciate that. SR with 28 years of experience. What's your take on the locker room? Confident, doubting, grumbling, expecting to win, or worried? Thanks. Interesting vibe today. Matt, uh, that I got in the locker room. Uh, the rookies are the rookies, so it's hard to take their pulse. Like yeah. we saw Yaya Diaby, sorry, Yaya Diaby got his first sack. 
uh, which which we talked about today, he and I, and and uh, you know, it, it was a trophy sack, right? When you Warren Sapp used to tell me all the time, sacks are not created equal, right? Like a Brett Favre sack is worth more than a Dante Culpepper sack, right? Or sure. you know, uh, a Scott Mitchell John sack Kenton, back in the day. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Um, because Brett Favre's a better player, he's harder to bring down, etc. Josh Allen for your first sack, that's a trophy sack. I asked Shaq Garrett today. I said, "Who was your first sack?" And he said, "Matt Stafford back when he was with the Lions." He's like, "It was a strip sack." That's so, pretty like, cool. And that's, of course, it's a strip sack. sack from Shaq. Right. <laughs> um, so you know, at the same time, Yaya he he hurt his hand. He did. And I think we'll probably see that on the injury report uh, when it comes out. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got an injured hand, and he said that that I guess he hit the ground, and not sure if it was his wrist or his thumb or or whatever but it's it was wrapped today um he's still gonna play but yeah he's like that happened on my sack play um but the veterans talking to carlton davis talking to antoine winfield talking to shaq Barrett a little bit they're kind of feeling a little bit of pressure here like they gotta win they gotta win this week that's why we call this a must win game the losing has to stop now this is a beatable team you have to win the winnable games and matt i i really believe that if they lose this game we could start to see some division, and this thing could spiral a little bit. I'm not saying that wheels are going to fall off the wagon because if, if they win against the Titans, you know, at some point in time, you you take that exhale and you breathe out. Okay, we finally got a win, finally got off the losing streak, but it feels like that needs to happen this week. And that's why you almost wish that the trade deadline was a week or two later because if the Bucks lose again and the week after that, yeah, you might start truly becoming uh, sellers this year so that you yeah. could end up with a with a better draft pick. And I, I think the problem when you talk about the concern of division for this team is one, the D, one of the biggest reasons I should say is because it's very clear the offense is not holding up their end of the bargain. They've struggled week in and week out. Yeah. This defense, with the exception of the Buffalo game, are doing everything they can to mm-hmm. keep the game close, and then the offense just can't put it together. And then on the second side of that, what we talked about earlier with as great as the defense has been, Bowles is calling certain things that is stopping this great defense from being a top three defense in the league with just how he's running the secondary at the moment and how 17 points could turn into 10 points because of the busted coverages and everything else in between. So there's kind of two clear-cut culprits, mm-hmm. and I think that can lead for more of a divide versus, yeah. like, the offense itself, you wouldn't have a divide because, like, this guy's going off sides. Baker's missing right. this throw. This wide receiver's not getting open. This wide receiver is getting a holding penalty. Yeah, But from a macro of the whole team, there's clear, clearly two culprits in, in this. Yeah, you're right, and and we have some comments here about the defense, and it's like, I think they've become so predictable and why they're really struggling to get off the field on third downs, Matt, is it, and, and why they've got the worst third down percentage on defense it, and, and why why they're, they're better when it comes to red zone, when it comes to scoring defense, because uh, there's not as much ground to cover, right? It's more it's a truncated area that the offense has to either get a, a first down inside the 10-yard line or you know kick a field goal if yeah. they don't uh, you know get another uh, change of downs there. Um but this, they're calling way too much cover three with spot dropping their linebackers. They're spot dropping into zone Levante David and the 
you know, the, the Devin White, who's a liability in coverage. And, and when you do that so much, you're putting so much pressure on those linebackers to, to try to, um, you know, cover a short area because if it's third and five, a six yard pass, boom, it's a first down. And so Devin White and Levante David, they're not typically letting a lot of guys in, in their area, in their zone, get a lot of yards after catch, but Matt, it's been enough, right? If it's yeah, third man. and six, they'll give up a seven yard pass to a tight end, you know, or a slot receiver, whatever that's coming in their zone. And it's first down. If it's you know if, if it's third and four, they're giving up a five yard pass. Just short little dink and dunk underneath type stuff because all they're doing is they're just spot dropping right in the middle of the field, and the quarterback's getting the ball out because it's like I need five yards. I'm going to throw a five yard pass. I'm going to pick up a first down. The pass rush isn't good enough to get there within a second and a half. Not many pass rushes are, but when you're playing that soft zone coverage. You're just inviting third down completions. Yeah. I need six yards. You know, it's third and five. Boom. There's six yards. You know, that'll make it all very interesting when you make the picks this week for the Bucks Texans game, whether it's on Peter Picks and Props. We can check out this Friday, but it will be done on Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you use that promo code Pewter, P E W T E R, get a first deposit bonus. When you sign up for Underdog Fantasy with that promo code Pewter, their pick em games are so much fun to do in the season. You pick at least two players, one from each team. You can go all the way up to five and win all the way up to 20 times your money. You're just choosing certain things like over or higher or lower on receiving yards for a player or passing yards or maybe it's fantasy points or will this quarterback throw an interception. So they have a ton of different options for you to choose from. They have it for the NFL, NBA, NHL, all the big major sports, uh, some golf as well. So maybe you're watching a game that you have it on and you don't have as much interest. Bam, just uh, place a pick or two on underdog fantasy and get that much more invested in it. Once again, use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, get a first deposit bonus with Underdog Fantasy. And uh, speaking of someone that tails my picks over at Pewter Picks and Props, it is our main man, Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse. Thanks for the super chat. And he says, Matty Diamonds hit the nail on the head. A hurry-up offense could really make a difference, but Canales... Baker and the offense need to clean things up as well. Yeah, it very much goes hand in hand. I said this the other day. I'm not buying that just because they go up tempo. That means all of a sudden these penalties are going to continue to happen because a lot of these yeah. penalties are happening when they're not going up tempo. Yeah. So this offense needs to spark. I think up tempo is the way to go about it. But even if they don't, at some point or another, they are going to have to. I'd love to see. I'd love to see them start. Uh, each half in, in up tempo. Like start yeah. the game right, just coming out up tempo. Because the starting um, slow too. Exactly. So hurry it up. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, and 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 try something, right? Because what what you're doing is not working right now, and it's kind of discouraging. The the fact that the Buccaneers only have three points total on all of their seven first possessions of the season, right? I mean, you're talking about the first possession every game. Yep. They've scored three points. That was against the Bears in week two. It's been a long time since the Bucs have gotten a lead early in the game on their first drive. So why not start fast? Uh, but listen, the offensive line too. Offensive line did, did an okay job against the Bills. But you cannot have 20 yards worth of penalties 
on four false starts, three of which yeah. were Luke Gedeke, one of which was Tristan Wirfs. All right, that's 20 penalty yards before the, the ball's even snapped. Then you got a Cody Malk, kind of questionable holding call yeah. that negated a 42-yard uh, completion to Mike Evans uh, on that. Great scheme. He was wide open. Great throw by Baker. Hit him. Got some yards after catch. Uh, the problem with that Cody Malk play is if you take a guy to the ground and and you do it uh, in, in a true pancake style where where you know he, he's going like at the line of scrimmage or backwards, yeah, the refs typically won't call that. But when he penetrates the line of scrimmage and you take him down behind the line of scrimmage, even if it's a legitimate pancake, you're being more susceptible to those holding calls because if a ref will see it out of the corner of his eye, he's got to think, oh, this guy was about to get a sack. And Cody Mal grabbed him and took him down. And maybe that was the case. Maybe it wasn't. But those are the kind of pancakes that are going to get flagged more often than not, rather than if you get a guy at the line of scrimmage and bury him there, or you, you know, you're in the run game and you bury him, um, you know, and he falls past the line of scrimmage. But those ones in the backfield, that's those are going to get called more often than not, even if they're uh, kind of a questionable call. But uh, one thing that's that's not in question, Matt. Is uh, is when it comes to real estate choices, when you're looking for, uh, you know, a go-to guy. If you're looking for a guy that that's not going to get flagged, you're looking for a guy that's going to make the play and get you into the end zone with your real estate purchase. It is Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, the official realtors of Pewter Report. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market. They have all the experience that you need whether it's buying a home in Florida, whether it's selling it. And listen, they can even help you uh, buy a house out of state if you have to leave the lovely state of Florida. Or if you're moving to the great state of Florida, they can help you sell your home where you are because they're part of the EXP Realty Group with over 85,000 agents in their network. So let them be on your team and give you the winning edge. Their clients are not just transactions, they're lifelong friendships. Why wouldn't you want to call a guy in Eric that you would have something in common with right off the bat being Tampa Bay fans and Pewter Report readers. So that's what I'm asking you to do. Go to housesinfla.com. Check out the Eric Gross Group website, housesinfla.com. View their inventory. It's a great website, easy to navigate. Find them on Facebook and Instagram, Eric Gross Group. They have their listings there. There are open houses as well. No matter where you are in your homeownership journey, you're going to feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. We got a, another super chat from Paul, a.k.a. Florida Dreamhouse. Thanks again for the $5 super chat. says, let's chill on the trash talk. Uh, Trask talk, excuse me. He's not the answer this season. Finally, props to Matty Diamonds <laughs> as he made me $150 last week. Some heroes don't wear capes. Man. Paul, that makes me so happy to hear that you are winning money with my picks. I won some money too, by the way. Yeah. Thanks to uh, that. Yeah. Two and oh, my bucks picks last week, 11 and three on the season. I'm up on my player props. I'm up on my NFL picks as well. So check out uh Peter picks and props again, coming up this Friday and Paul congrats on winning one fifty. Awesome. That is uh that is so awesome. Glad well, to see Paul you. and Matt and anybody that wins money with those uh, awesome, uh, Pewter picks and props that Matt throws out there every Friday on Pewter Report TV. I advise you to do one thing. Call our good friends at Immuni Financial and invest it wisely.
At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. That's right. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Do what I've done. I've got most of my investments with Immunity Financial. I trust them. I ask that you give them a call at 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864. Talk with an Immunity financial representative, and have them do a, a, a second opinion on your financial uh, planning and, and make sure that you have your ducks in a row. You can visit them on the web at immuni.com. They can help you whether you're in the state of Florida or across the country, immuni.com. And Matt, tomorrow, we're going to be right back here at 4 o'clock with another big show. Uh, we've got a, when I say a big show, it's because Vita Vea is being featured on the uh <laughs> The graphic here. Let me pull it up. There we go. Big old Vita Vea. The Bucks are going to be facing their first rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Then they got another one the next week in Will Levis with the Tennessee Titans. So Matt's going to be talking about that tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Make sure you join us here on the Peter Report podcast for that podcast. And Matt, uh, what, what else can, can Buck fans do? We would love it. If everyone followed us on our social media, on X, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook, we are at Peter Report. That's P-E-W-T-E-R-R-E-P-O-R-T. And then, of course, our YouTube channel is Peter Report TV. We got the podcast four times a week. We put out various uh, videos from press conferences, shorts as well. Scott has his Peter Pulse. I have uh, Peter Picks and Props. We got the game day show every uh, every game day, of course. Uh, yeah, tons of content on Peter Report TV, our YouTube channel. So please hit that like button. Please subscribe and also leave a comment. That helps a lot with growing our audience on Peter Report TV. And uh, we love the Peter people. We'd love it if you guys can do that to help us out. Yep. So that's going to do it for us on today's show. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. So until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out. Must win game coming up on Sunday.